Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. This season is sponsored by Luna, who offer holistic therapy courses that you can study from the comfort of your own home. Please visit their website www.lunacourses.com for more information. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hi! Hello! Look who we've got. Hiya, Joel. Hi, okay. Yeah, well, if you're listening, you can't actually look who we've got, but you can hear who we've got. Yes. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> if this microphone's working. It, it, oh, that's a really good point, actually. But yeah, it is. I can see it's working. Wow. So, yeah, today we're doing something a little bit different because we thought it was about time to bring our Joe onto our podcast. Because I can't believe we haven't. I can't believe we haven't. Yeah, well, we did attempt it actually last year. It was um, good, was it? But it just, the sound was horrific, wasn't it? So we've made everything. So the sound's going to be good today, hopefully. Yeah, Lisa doesn't normally have a bed sheet hanging behind us like this. But. And normally I iron them. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely doesn't do that bit. But yeah, it's hung over the wardrobe. So. We're back in Lisa's wardrobe, right back where we were at the beginning. Well, this is kind of where it started, so it only makes sense that um, this is where we interview Joe. And we're in the bedroom. It's like being a kid. We've been den making. (laughs) I feel like we've made a den, do you? Yeah, it was so much fun being inside it, trying to peg it up. Yeah, brilliant. It might fall down at any time, so let's get started. So what we thought would be really good today is for you to hear, you've heard enough about mine, well, certainly my story, you've heard that millions of times. You've started to hear more of Lisa's, but we've heard nothing of Joe's. So are you comfortable sharing your drinking journey and why you quit, Joe? Um, yeah, I must um, confess I am so like rubbish at pre-planning anything. So everything is off the cuff. I did an interview with Josh Connolly in October and I stressed myself out trying to get it down on paper. And I thought I can't. It just has to flow organically so hopefully my flow will come the good news morning. is if you swear if you slip up if you stumble if you bumble we don't cut it out <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so no pressure <laughs> i agree with you joe though i think this is something that i did right at the beginning i used to have script after script and i found it really hard because you lay me in all the podcasts going what's that word what's that word and alex <laughs> kindly suggests them for me <laughs> not usually right though are they? but no <laughs> but that's what we want a more organic and we're all friends, so yeah, go for so it. So just pretend it's just us three. Sat yeah, in the bedroom, yeah. Like a teenager. Yeah, get comfy. I am. I can't. My uncle's <coughs> killing after you killed me this morning. <laughs> yeah, I hope you've been following our keep fit sessions because it's been great torturing these two at six am three days a week. Yeah. <laughs> it has been torture as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a little moderate aerobics kind of few star jumps. She actually nearly kills you. Somebody the other day. I've already said this somewhere, but not on a podcast but somebody the other day said they'd done Joe's workout in our Facebook group and they were going out somewhere and she said it got to about 8pm last night and rigor mortis set in and that's what it feels like it shows I've done a good job on you yeah it does we love it really no it don't it don't it makes you feel better afterwards I don't think many people enjoy 
doing it at the actual physical time of doing it. Sometimes even I don't, I must admit, but I've never regret doing a workout. That's what I have actually realised this last couple of days. Like on Monday, I hated it. I just hated everything. And it wasn't. I, I was so tell. glad. Yeah. I just didn't like it. Well, this is a crap start to my well, day. <laughs> I didn't know that we were starting at quarter two, so that well annoyed me. <laughs> then everyone were already jumping up and down. Star jumps made me pee. So I was just like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. You do those one leg ones. Yeah, I have to. You need to get some ten ladies. Other brands are available, but I've had to have them from being about 28. It's just after kids, it is. It's after kids. It's unavoidable. You just, yeah. She was funny though because Lisa's always mega, mega positive, right? And she'll like find the positive in everything. Oh, I'm a bit late, but don't matter. At least I'm going to get to the end. On Monday, it was just like, well, this is shit. I did, I heard. I, look, I did enjoy it today, though. Good. And what I've noticed, Joe, is it's just doing something. So, like, it's not that enjoyable at the time, but doing it with people has massively helped me just seeing and swiping the screen and looking at you two. <laughs> nobody's really helped me. And knowing that it's on the Facebook group has massively helped me. Yeah. And showing different levels of fitness, I think, is important. Yeah. But it's inspired me to eat better drink better even since we've been doing it so I had my smoothie today I've been for my walk so I am grateful really I just don't know look at that girls what colour's that coffee well done no cream in the no cream (laughs) down to three black coffees I'm doing well brilliant well actually that's not true I've just told a lie nationally and publicly you always do about coffee I know anybody that (laughs) listens to this knows right one day she'll say she's on 20 cups another day she'll say she's on 12 another day apparently now guys she's on three no I'm not well I'm not on three cups of coffee right I'm on three cups of white coffee from honestly it crept back up to like maybe 10 yeah so I'm on three cups of white coffee. So that was like 2,000 calories. Oh, no, it wasn't. 1,200 calories in cream alone. Which is a lot, which is what, what, what you have a day. What I have a day when I'm in a deficit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, I don't know why I'm putting on weight. I only eat like a few eggs and stuff. <laughs> cream. I look like the honey monster on it. No, one you did You made me laugh when you said that. <laughs> oh. Right, come on. Joe's right. story. Let's get, let's get to it. I'm quite enjoying that. Let's start with a hangout. <laughs> Well, I think um, I've always had a love for alcohol. Just always have. I, I remember my mum actually telling a story. Um, they were having a dinner party. I don't think I've ever told you. Like oh, a, a dinner exclusive. party when, <laughs> when we were only little. It was probably only about four or five. And um, I smuggled some wine into the Wendy house. <laughs> I drank it with my brother. <laughs> we're both hiccuping in there. Uh, yeah. So I'm surprised we didn't die. I don't know how. We must have had too much. But yeah, that was my first taste oh of alcohol. Oh my gosh. That was um, your first secret drinking That was my job. first secret drinking <laughs> in the Wendy house. Polly forced my poor little brother to have it. Go on, have it. Oh, um, bless Yeah, you. so that was that was my first. I don't actually remember that. Probably because I got, got drunk on it maybe. But yeah, because I was so young. But generally, I was brought up in a house that didn't have any alcohol in it. My mum was teetotal. My dad drank, but he died when I was a little girl, so he wasn't really around in my teenage years. 
But I think growing up in the 90s, you just went out and got leathered with your mates. Mm. You know, we'd get um, a big cheap bottle of cider with like a little more than two quid, I think, oh. you know, for the big two litre bottles. Strongbow. And then um, down. And yeah, you'd only white, white lightning. lightning. <laughs> <laughs> you'd only um, need a quarter of it and be leathered and you'd still polish yeah. the rest of the bottle off throughout yeah. the night. Um, yeah, that 20 Embassy number one, that was every weekend. Oh, you were posh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we were 20 sovereigns. <laughs> oh, I did, did, grow in, did grow up in Bramall Ladies, so we know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just always, every, every weekend revolved around alcohol, but it was absolutely normal kind of in those teenage yeah. years. Um, yeah, sort of. And I don't think I ever was too irresponsible when I was a teenager, that came more in my thirties. <laughs> I reckon it does though, you know, yeah. when your tolerance goes up and oh, you yeah. kind of get that false sense of security of, oh, well, I can handle my drink. You drink more and more and more. And when you're older as well, you, you tell everybody, oh, well, I don't care now, I'm older, I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, you're just making a show of yourself, aren't you? Oh God, 100%. So anyway, um, I had my first child when I was 19 and alcohol really wasn't a big deal in my life for a few years then when I had him and I had my second child when I was 21. And other than going on holiday and Christmases and stuff, yeah. I didn't particularly drink at that time. Um, it was when I split up with their dad and then I kind of had this freedom that I'd not had in my late teens, yeah. early 20s because I'd been in a relationship for seven years with him from being only 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was playing catch-up then and going out more and part because I had the free time, I didn't have the kids. So that was when drinking probably just started up in a level at that point. Um, then in 2005, I met who would become my husband. I was working in the pub at the time. Even though I was working in the pub, I didn't drink particularly while mm. I was at work. We had a, like one or two after with the Chinese when you'd finish your shift, <laughs> yeah. but that was about it. Um, you know, and it was lovely. I loved working in the pub, apart from you could smoke inside in those days. It was a very low ceiling. So at the start of my shift, I'd go round and open all the windows. But obviously, as people sat down, they'd close them again because they're chilly. And my eyes would sting, sting at the yeah, end of the that. shift. And everything st- Junk, oh, your clothing, your hair. Oh, it was disgusting. Um, I Do you remember, remember emptying the ashtrays as well with yeah, the brush? Yeah, brush, brush, brush yeah. <laughs> and when people had put chewing gum in the ashtrays or spilt drink in it, and you had to get the slimy oh, bits out. So <laughs> it wasn't was as bad as cleaning vomit out of the fireplaces. That sometimes oh. you know, people had just thrown no, in the fire. I thought you had been out. Well, that was a bit of sulphur. Not sulphur daff. I love it and I've been there for many years. But yeah, the people in the White Horse in Earlham grew up in the fireplace. Oh, it was probably me. <laughs> it probably was. You yeah. had to do it in your hands. So oh, don't. Yeah. So when I met um when I met my husband, he was an absolute sort of lad's lad. He was a proper like out for the football, heavy drinker, um, you know recreational drugs and I'd never really come across drugs or anything up until mm. that point um you know the odd the odd mate used to take pills when they went to kinetic on raves and stuff but no one ever did yeah in the, you know when we we're just drinking around the shops or on the park or whatever um so I think I saw quite early on 
that it was going to be problematic. But um, you think you can just work through it, don't you? So at first I kind of laid down the law, like we're not having this, 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 this. But it just carried on anyway. So after a, after a period of time, I thought, well, if I can't beat you, join you. I'll yeah. see what it's all about. And, you know, I'll do the full-on partying with you. Um, that just was a disaster. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, who knew? You know, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, having kitchen parties every single weekend could be so detrimental. But it was, it was, it was just awful. Um, Did anyway. you think it was awful at the time? Partly, yeah, you know. Eventually, after the first sort of few months, I I knew it was, but I felt like we were on this train now that that wasn't stopping because he was never going to be able to stop. Um, I did leave him for a six-month period um, because it had gotten out of control. I could not cope with him Mm. anymore. So me and the kids moved out into a rented house and uh, that was when he first reached out for help and he went to Alcoholics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous and he actually he said to me can you do it with me can you help me and I said no if you want to do this you have got to do this on your own and, and prove to me I said because it's not fair living in this environment with the children so anyway he did really really well he did really well for a good six months um he was going to the meetings, he had a sponsor, he, he really kept on the straight and narrow. We bought a caravan down in Great Yarmouth, so every single weekend, because we were both self-employed, we'd pack the kids up and we'd be down there, and it was fab. So he was like, move back with us, let's have another baby. Uh, this was baby number four, because we're nailing it. So I thought, well, fantastic, it's all worked out. Uh, less than a month after that positive pregnancy test, he was back drinking. He wasn't going to his meetings, um, and I felt stuck. You know, yeah. I'd given up. I'd given up the house I was renting. Yeah. Um, my house that I still had had a tenant in it, so I, I you know, and I, I couldn't just tear them out. And you feel extra stuck because you've you're carrying a baby. Yeah. Um, so it was really, really difficult throughout that pregnancy. Was was very, very hard and very isolating, really, because you can't... I didn't openly speak about it with many people. I mean, I don't know whether it's embarrassment or you know it's illegal or you're just in denial about it. Um, And I actually remember uh, the head teacher from my daughter's school phoned up and said, "Can, can you come in? We need to have a word with you. They'd done a drugs awareness class and my daughter had said, I've, I've seen cocaine at my house. Oh, right. no. So, because she'd seen residue on the work services when she's gotten up in the morning when he yeah. brought people back to the house. So what can what can I say really to that? I said, obviously, I was eight months pregnant at this time. It's it's not me, you know. Oh, that must have been step, awful. Stepdad bought an individual back to the house. They had to basically lie out of it. Yeah. But an individual back that he wouldn't normally bring back and the matter has been dealt with. And, uh, you know, it's not going to happen again. I was absolutely feared to death of having my kids taken off me. Oh, God. Um, God. And, and I, I think that's what stops a lot of people. Sorry to interrupt you. That's what stops so many people from coming forward and asking for help. It's the fear. And, and the same with children, because we speak about this on the volunteering for Nicole we've done. Yeah. 
the same with the children. The fear of the family being torn apart is what stops everybody speaking up and what keeps that secret a secret. Yeah, yeah. and it does have a lot of power and a lot of hold over you. It really yeah. does. Um, so, I mean, and I told him, out of hoping it would shake him enough to stop again. Yeah. And all he said was, well, keep that little bitch away from me. I'm like, I'm sorry, <sighs> she's 10. She's told the truth. You tell your children to tell. I'm proud that she spoke up as much as I cringed about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if that was something else, if somebody was abusing her or some, at least yeah. Yeah. Know she was talking. Yeah. So, um, but that was, he was so in that mindset. That was the most important thing to him and he didn't, he didn't oh. care. Um I remember telling you the story because I was I was due to have a home birth. Oh, I was so hoping you were going to tell this story. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just need to get comfy. No. I know my knees are killing. My feet have lost the feeling. <laughs> I know, right? I uh, yeah, I was having a home birth, and oh, you know we had getting... we had a nice spacious house, so I had a birth pool all set up in the in the dining room, you know, in the birth bar already because I had my first baby at 37 weeks, so you kind of expect your following babies could come at any time. Anyway, he didn't. He had to defy and be three days late, but that's another story. But this one weekend, um, my husband had gone out and he'd gone out to watch football and it was never just going out to watch football. He he either won't come back for days or we'd come back with half the pub. Anyway, this night, it was the week I was due. Um, He came back with two of his mates. I heard the drug dealer drop off. And I could hear them all in the kitchen. And I was furious because I thought, I could have this baby tonight. He's going to be off his face. He's got all these lads in the kitchen. Um, so I walked downstairs to to fill my water up, but I could have done it upstairs, but just really... Make to, your point. Yeah, make my point. Yeah. So I walked into the kitchen and his friend was naked in my birth pool, bouncing on my birth ball while my <laughs> husband was filming him Laughing the reds off. Oh, right. So anyway, is no, it okay honestly, to laugh? I can laugh now, but I imagine <laughs> oh. being the week your baby is due and he's there and hormonal and everything. I was furious, so I walked in. <laughs> I love children. I was furious, <laughs> and you. It just was like a scratch record. Stop. They froze. It was like the headmistress had just walked into the room. And <laughs> she was waiting. <laughs> so I filled my bag. I could see this uh, This particular drug dealer would only drop off three grams because he came from quite far away. So to make it worth his while. So they had three grams of cocaine, which had cost him nearly 200 quid. Wow. Um, on, that they'd just cut up on the end of the breakfast bar. So I filled my pint glass with water. And I poured it all over the coat. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, um, and then I bet they were furious. He went, he went mad at me. He called me a psycho bitch. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm the psycho bitch. I'm meant to be giving birth in there. I could have this baby tonight, and he's in yeah. there naked. Um, oh my god, I was furious. So he just phoned the drug dealer and got another three dropped off, and carried on the party in the conservatory. Um, so that's really what what I was up against with him. So once I'd had the baby, um, he got six months old, and I sat him down. It was a Tuesday morning. I remember it really clearly. I took the kids to school. He was sat in the front room watching Jeremy Kyle with a <laughs> bottle of red wine and a gram of coke on a oh, Tuesday morning. Um, and he was really cross that I'd, 
Ed knew that he'd had coke and he's like, how do you know? And I'm like, the key's missing out the door. And he said, you should work for the FBI. <laughs> so I said, listen, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, but I think we need to get divorced because it's it's not fair on me. It's not fair on the children. I can't keep being in this environment with them. And he said, you're dead right. I love doing this more than I love you and them kids. Oh. So, yeah, let's do this. So, um yeah, so that that was that was that. Really. Like, it wasn't that there was there was more. It ended up getting quite messy, and he got arrested. Sort of, you know, a, a few weeks down the line. Um, but yeah, me and me and my kids moved moved out of that marital home back into what was my house where we still are now. It's mad though, isn't it? You know, like how much that people will tolerate before breaking oh, point you always think don't you it's going to get better it's going to get and you you can you convince yourself i'll stay for the kids i'll you know you really reminded me of a story where my ex actually i was pregnant with my eldest so this is like 16 years ago mm-hmm. so i'm already quite young and we'd gone out on new year's eve and i was three months pregnant and he must have taken something. But like you, I'd never been in anything to do with drugs, really, apart from the weed that we tried when we were kids. <laughs> I'd never, never really bothered with any of it. And in the middle of the night, we'd had a bit of an argument because I wanted to go home New Year's Eve because you don't want to be out. But even then I had like, I know my drinking wasn't that bad then. I had a glass of champagne at midnight and I literally took a sip to cheers and left it on the bar. Mm. I wouldn't have done that later. I'd have no. finished that one glass, yeah. you know. But... um. I was in bed in the middle of the night and he we were staying at his mum and dad's and he actually got up and he, he was out of his head and he opened the drawer where my clothes were and peed on them. Peed on all my clothes that we're going to wear on New Year's Day. And we had a massive argument and he ended up kicking me and I was pregnant mm-hmm. and hitting me. And um, I still stayed. His mum actually said to me afterwards, like, you know, you're pregnant, what are you going to do? And they knew it had happened. Mm. But because I thought, yeah, I'm pregnant, what am I going to do? Yeah. You stay. You feel more vulnerable when you're pregnant. Definitely, even though I had the strength to leave him before I was pregnant and I still had three kids in tow and a business to run and everything yeah. else. Um, yeah, there is just that extra thing. And I think maybe romanticising it as well. Well, he's, he's been able to stop before. Maybe he can do it again because I did love him. It sounds daft because he was, I mean, I've only touched on the problems in our marriage. There yeah. was, you know, a lot more. One day when I write a book, it'll all, all oh, be out we there. Can't wait, but, John. Um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And when you look from an outsider, like I know a lot of people say, why don't they just leave him? You know, domestic violence cases, etc. It's not as clean cut as that. It's really, it really hard. Isn't. It's really, really hard. And love is a strong emotion. And if you love someone, even if they're pushing you around and, and you know, being really mean to you, it's hard sometimes to walk away. You come to need them, don't you, as well? I believe you need them. Yeah. yeah. I used to have this with my ex-husband and your story is really, really similar to mine and my ex-husband's. Yeah. Um, and Alex, you just saying that about him peeing in your drawer. I woke up once to my ex-husband sat on me with his pants down oh, <laughs> on the bed. He'd actually climbed on the bed and sat on me <laughs> and I, I think he was going to have a poo <gasps> because he was oh, sat. No. It wasn't like <laughs> you were toilet. <laughs> yeah, and I remember just getting up and pushing him off. But and that was just one thing. And now, if that had have happened early on, I'd have been like, and you know, on the stairs yeah. as well. I remember once um, Bethany coming in saying, "All the top of the stairs is wet," and he peed all over the top of the stairs. And 
Oh, I've had things brought. My banister is still missing. Nobody can find the right spindle to fix this banister. Why don't you all the spindles It just out. drives me mad. <laughs> it always reminds me, but things like that. And I always remember thinking, because we've always spoke, haven't we, about our relationship um, issues or what have you. We've yeah. always called each other. And I remember thinking, if Alex was telling me some of the things that have happened to her, I'd be like, oh, how... If a partner had sports were like he did me, I'd be like, you need to leave him. Yeah. What are you, What on earth are you doing? Have some respect for yourself. Get up and walk out. But I couldn't. No. I just, I don't know why. I just couldn't. And it really reminds, yeah. It's sad. Like, I know we're like having a bit of a joke about it, but there's certain I think you've moments got, you've there. You've got to laugh now about yeah. it. Yeah. Have, because, you know, I've accepted it. I've dealt with it. You know, I'm safe. My children are safe. We're happy. We're happier yeah. now than we ever have been. But at the time, you just can't see that you're ever going to get happiness. It's horrible. But I think I had to do it for my children. And it, it, that probably stems back to my childhood because my mum never put us first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was breaking that cycle. I know we talk about breaking cycles with alcohol and when, when you, you're in a household with parents who drink a lot you know, sometimes the children then drink a lot and it's breaking cycles. But this, for me, was breaking a cycle of being a good parent yeah, and yeah. keeping them safe um, over anything else, over my own feelings. And I it took me, I reckon it took me two years at least to get over leaving him. I remember about yeah. 18 months Googling one morning, like, how long does it take to get over yeah. divorce? And it was, because it, it really, really upset me, no matter what he'd done, I loved him and it was really hard decision it, to it's leave It's a real him. physical pain as well, isn't it? You know, when people talk about heartache, mm. when I broke up with my ex, even though I'd moved on by the time I broke up with him, when I, when I physically made the move, I'd already met Sam. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it now. I used to be. But um, my heart ached and it wasn't necessarily for him because I wanted him back, but I really mourned the loss of that that unit that really mm-hmm. and I felt guilt for my children even though I knew they were better out of it I thought oh my god one thing I didn't ever want was for my children yeah. to be from a broken home I saw something really what was it you that said it? it's better to be from yeah it's better yeah. to have come from a broken home than live in a broken home and that that's that the first so time true. I've ever gone when you said that the other day it was in Josh's interview yeah when I saw that it's the first time I thought oh my god I wish somebody had said that to me 10 years ago yeah. because I've carried so much guilt about leaving because I thought well it's my needs but looking back it was damaging for them as well really damaging and you don't think and here's something you always think your arguments and your battles happen when the kids are in bed and when they're not there but after a drink particularly you don't know what they see and hear because my mum and dad when they used to argue I know they didn't know we knew everything Mm-hmm. And when we've had conversations since, she was like, how do you know that? You were in bed. And I was like, we weren't. We were sat on the stairs crying or... Yeah, scared. Yeah. yeah. And it's just because you're in your own bubble and your own world. And, and especially, like I say, if there's alcohol and drugs involved, you don't really have a, a sense of reality, do you? No. It's a really sad story, but also with quite a nice, happy ending that. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad I did it. So then um, I, I went into another relationship years years later and um we ended up living together for a short period but our our family units didn't gel we parented very very differently our kids just clashed all the time Mm. it was really it it was a battle all of the time so we um 
we agreed it just wasn't it wasn't working living together mm. anyway um so we separated and again i went back to my house oh, thank god i never sold that house um so but it was when um me and this partner were trying to kind of re- rekindle our relationship um that i was sexually assaulted at a party that he was having um because it was a really big house that we we rented together it had four double bedrooms it was mm-hmm. massive so for him to afford to stay there he rented uh two rooms out to um you know some of his polish mates that had all come to live in Ireland to you know to get some money and then go back home so they were having this party because it was his birthday and it was his housemate's birthday on the same weekend so we'd been to another friend's barbecue for their birthday in the afternoon and I'd had maybe one bottle of wine if that but with food and yeah. at this point you know I'd, I'd been drinking a lot more yeah. than I ever had done so a bottle of wine I'd had that before we even Didn't went out, out yeah that was like pre-drinks and we were fine <laughs> so I was yeah probably slightly tipsy but certainly not um blackout drunk so we got to that party it was getting on a bit it was about 10 by the time we got there and um his housemate gave me a drink and it was Jack Daniels. I didn't drink Jack Daniels. Oh, whiskey. Oh, I know. Even seen any of the drinks now. I know. Oh. Still, like, oh, feel the like how gross it is. Um, so he'd he'd given me that, and I was like, oh, not very nice, really. So I'd left it on the side while I went out for a fag, and um, I came back in, finished that drink. I'd got another drink, and then the next thing I remember was my boyfriend waking me up because I was just passed out on the couch. And this party was going on oh. at the back of the house. It had a big, big, like, kitchen dining room with bifolding doors that just opened right out. And we had the bounce castle up in the back garden. So everyone was really at the back of the house. So this couch at the front of the house. So he was like, wait, I've been looking for you. And I'd had, I'd actually had been sick and I'd sick in my hair. Hey, you sound like and my kind all, of girl, yeah. <laughs> So he was like, come on. Um, so he got me upstairs and I just couldn't stop being sick. I was being sick that violently. I'd actually wet myself yeah. as well at the same oh time when gosh. I was vetching. Um, probably because of the, the weak pelvic. Yeah. So he um, he ended up undressing me to my underwear and putting me in bed. So it was his bed that used to be my bed when yeah. I lived in that house. So felt quite safe and comfortable in there away from all the noise of the party and um but I couldn't stand up he had to help me walk to the bed I was like a newborn foal you know with the legs just keep giving way and um it's just so weird because that's never alcohol's never done that to me don't know I've been blackout drunk before thrown up before but never like that yeah um so yeah uh I'd gone to sleep and then I know I mentioned it in in like Josh's interview. It was weird. It was like when your alarm clock goes off and you associate it with something else in your dream, it's a car alarm or something else, but but you're coming round. And I was dreaming that I was being attacked by a dog, which is so random because I've never been attacked by a dog. Um, And it was like this horrible, aggressive kind of feeling anyway. I realised that there was somebody sexually assaulting me um it was under the duvet 
So I put my hands down and my boyfriend was bald and I felt a bald head. So I thought it was him. So I bloody whacked him. Like, what? I was furious about how dare you yeah. um, do Yeah, because even if it's your boyfriend, you're yeah. asleep, you're yeah, unconscious. Yeah, unconscious. I was furious. So anyway, my boyfriend was quite skinny and really, really hairy. So this body reared up and it was like a proper muscular, clean-shaven chest. And I was like, that's not my boyfriend. And anyway, it was this man that was at the party with his wife. Um, and I was like, what What are you doing? So he came really, really, oh, really close to my oh face my and just said, I am sorry, Joanne, and left the room. I mean, thank God, because I don't know what I would have done if he yeah. had if stayed. Yeah, if he'd have just decided because, that he was staying. Yeah, I just don't know what I would have done. I mean, I knew there was a machete in the wardrobe. <laughs> But I don't know if I would have been able to get to it to whack him with it. I love, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, I knew there were a machete there. No, I could have grabbed my own um, yeah, bag like, or whacked him with a lamp or something. I'm totally Just the machete thing. was there. I watch, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead. Michonne is a badass and I totally would have Michonne the bastard. Michonne? <laughs> She's just made Michonne into a verb. I would have Michonne him. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so, yeah, so he left um, and I was kind of just lay there in in disbelief, really. It was like yeah. it, it, you weren't, I don't know. I, it was like I wasn't there. It was yeah. so weird. I just, I don't even know how long it took me to then get up, find some clothes to put on um, and actually steady my feet so I could stand because I was still a bit wobbly. This was actually three in the morning um, by by this time when I'd, when I'd looked at the clock. So I couldn't find my shoes. I had a got dressed, I couldn't find my shoes. I just wanted to go home. I just yeah. wanted to go home. Yeah. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to phone the police. I didn't want to do anything but get into the safety oh, of my own yeah. house. So um, I went down the stairs and my shoes were in the kitchen. Obviously, that's where the party was and everyone was in the kitchen and in the garden. Um, so my boyfriend was like, oh, she's alive. Come on, you joining the party. No, I just want my shoes because I want to go home. So he was instantly really pissed off with me. Um, Why do you want to go home? We're supposed to be trying to patch our relationship up and you won't even stay here, da, da, da. So I'm like... I just want. I just want to go home. And then his housemate come over because it wasn't his housemate that had assaulted me. It was his friend, um, and he was like, "Why are you going hot?" And they were both very like, "Why, why, why, why?" And because they were blackout drunk at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So I said, "So I said, right, Neil, I will take you upstairs, and I'll I'll explain to you, but only to you." Um, and then the guy that had assaulted me turned up in the hall with my bleeding shoes and went, "Here are your shoes." So what just a cheeky bastard. absolute hard face. So I snatched him off him and um, went upstairs. So I explained what had happened. And I think my boyfriend was so blackout drunk, he just couldn't comprehend it. So he just pushed me really hard, pushed me over. And I had a bruise the size of an A4 piece of paper on my thigh from where I fell. So then he came over me, so I whacked him with my stiletto. Well, only little stilettos, because I can't really do big stilettos. More of a kitten heel. Should have got the Whacked him and then ended up walking home with just one shoe anyway. So oh, I should have just laid him walked home with no shoes on. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just so sick all night, sort of on and off sleeping, being sick in between. And then he come round to my house 
about eight o'clock the morning after. And um, he was like, why did you go home? He couldn't even couldn't remember, remember that I told him I'd been sexually assaulted. That's how drunk he was. Um, so I, I, I told him what had happened. And it took him a while, really, to comprehend it. And it's sinking. He's like, well, we need to phone the police. So I said, well, what are the police gonna gonna do? I just don't I don't know how how they're, they're gonna do anything. Mm. Um, you know, will it not be my word against his or whatever? You know, you taught yourself out a bit. Yeah. So he said, well, if it was if it was your daughter, what would you do? And I was like, well, I'd phone the police. <laughs> so he's like, so why not for you then? So I said, right, I will, but I, I needed to feel a bit better first. I was horrendous. I felt awful, mm. absolutely shockingly, like the worst hangover I've ever had. Um, and I knew I needed to take my son to work. He was working at McDonald's at that wow. time because he was at um, college. So I was like, I need to do my mum duties first, drop him off at work and then pick him up from work at four before I can even deal with anything. I can feel the, yeah. the feeling. Yeah, it was awful. So he went back home to speak to his housemates and that bloke was actually there. So, and he dropped to his knees and was like, you know, please, please, you know, pleading forgiveness from my boyfriend. So he was like, get, get the get fuck the out. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I thought, I just need to have a shower. I've just got to have a shower. I just felt awful. So I just got out the shower and he turned up at my house with his wife. On that day? On that day, the morning after he'd assaulted me, he turned up <sighs> at my house. So of course I wasn't very vocal and able to stand up for myself the night before but I could then I was outside honestly just like my bloody dressing gown and wet hair screaming like a banshee like you know get get the fuck away from my front door and all this and he was like please my children my children my my sons please no police no police get away I'm phoning the police to get away from my front door. His wife doesn't speak English. I don't even know if she understood what was happening at that time. Oh, um, but she's still with him. Like, but that's that's her business. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so after I picked my son up from work, I phoned the police and they were so incredible. They were really, really nice and supportive. And they got back to me within five minutes and said, we've got a specialist female officer at Eccles, which was the closest to our house anyway. You go there, she'll look after you. And she was so, so lovely. So, um, God, I was there for hours, about three hours. And they interviewed my boyfriend in a separate room and interviewed me. And then they take, like, all your, your DNA and all that and, and go through it all. And then while I was sat there, they were on the radio and they were at his house and you could hear them arresting wow. him. It must have given um, you some sort of, not satisfaction, that's the wrong word, but like relief that, that something were, was being done. That it was being done and they believed me straight away. There wasn't ever a question. So like, amazing. I was going to ask that actually because I think that's probably what stops people going forward mm -hmm. in something like this is especially if they've been drinking themselves yeah. and they've been at a party. I think my first reaction would be they're not going to believe me. I was drunk, I was drunk. So I think it's really important to pick up on that, that yeah. they did actually really understand and believe you straight away. They did straight away. There was never, never a question in it. They were that's so, good. so good. So then um, they got me an appointment for later that night. It was about half 12 at night for the Sexual Assault Referral Centre over at St Mary's. Um, but I had a few more flowers I still had to make for my best friend's mum, who was 
um, having her funeral on the Monday morning. Mm. Um, so I went from the police station to work. My boyfriend came with me, um, made all the flowers, loaded them all up into the van. It's like you went in autopilot. Yeah. So you kind of so well. They reckon though, any trauma you take yourself out of your body, and that's probably why Just you were like, on. it didn't feel like me. I didn't, not you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah. So all the female flowers were in the van while I was at the sexual assault centre. So they were really nice. We were the only people there, other than two doctors. Um, and they literally, yeah, they'd like take take your blood, um, get your legs up in stirrups and and do. And then was like, I remember during the examination, I was like, you really hurting me? Oh, that really gosh. hurts. So she's like, I'm just, I'll carry on and then I'll explain everything to you. They were so, so lovely. So anyway, what was hurting was there was actually like lacerations, there was blood blisters. Jesus Christ, there was like John. so much damage. And she said, you you don't damage your intimate areas <laughs> like, like they don't that. get damaged it's you know it's because you you have been assaulted and that's really good so i said to her i was worried <laughs> that's really had, good well, no, they, they, they can can yeah, yeah. yeah so i was dead worried because i'd had a shower and she said it's so natural she said well to be perfectly honest with you we've pulled bodies out of rivers that have been there for days and still got dna so they they, they got it regardless so um yeah, forensics had gone and took the bed sheets off, everything. So they were really taking it seriously, which was good. Oh. Um, yeah, so I don't really know. You're so it's brave up. telling it, Joe. again. I know. I'm kind of getting used to speaking about it now, and it, it hasn't... I used to cry my eyes out when I spoke about it, but I generally spoke about it when I was really drunk. Yeah. Well, you do, don't you? That's when you go off. Because I didn't talk, because I remember my boyfriend, I don't know if it's out of embarrassment for him, whether he felt he'd let me down or whatever. He was like, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. We need to keep it just between Yeah, like a shame, yeah. So it was never... And I listened to him, and I think, why did I listen to you? Because I should have just been able to tell people. Um, So, yeah, it's only recently I've been speaking out about it. So it took... A long time to get to court it was actually it went to court on my daughter's birthday so the attack happened in august and this was a july after so almost a year and almost a year like give or take like three weeks off a year um but again at the court they were really nice they gave me a, a pre-court visit a week before so like they walk you around everywhere show you where you're going to be sitting where he's going to be sitting where the jury are going to be um and on that day, I had my first ever and my only ever panic attack yeah, when amazing. when my phone was driving me back from the court and I was like, "You need to stop!" I just couldn't I couldn't breathe or anything. It was awful. So of course, I just went and got leathered, uh, like you do. But I did phone the doctors actually and explain the situation to him and said, "Can you can you give me anything to calm me down on yeah. the actual day of the court case?" So he gave me some diazepam. They're not allowed to give you many, are they? Because they mm. can be highly addictive. Um, just to chill me out. So I thought, oh, I'll try one the day before rather than having <laughs> excited. My body don't tolerate yeah. medication at all. Um, if I'm ill, I, look, I can only take paracetamol. So I dislocated my knee and I was on really strong painkillers. I couldn't have him. Oh, God, they were <laughs> awful. Um, so, But instead of like calming me down, they seemed to make me do more. So oh, like, I remember decorating our Lauren's bedroom <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I don't know if these are going to work for me, you know, the, the diazepam, because it kind yeah. of upped me instead of downed me. So um, I just, I tried one anyway in the morning, and I was all right, I think. But at the, <laughs> you kind of, they sit you in like a, a, 
like like a big kitchen really when you can make a brew and that and two of my friends came with me to court um and we were there for hours in the morning while they were and he tried everything like he, he, there was a language barrier but he didn't have a language barrier he speaks very good english um you know well she's she's british that's british girls oh. are, are up for it that you oh, know God. they get drunk and they're up for it he tried trying everything to to the barristers and um at the very very last minute it was about bloody 10 to 1 and we'd been there from half eight in the morning um he pleaded guilty because they basically said if you plead not guilty and she comes in now and we find you guilty you will definitely have a custodial sentence so he pleaded guilty and he didn't get a custodial sentence he got um two years suspended for two years he has to sign the sex offenders register for life and he had to pay me compensation. And it was like a sort of a big, big amount. They'd never, like the, the police said, they've never seen an amount so significant. But I didn't want Don't, any money. Yeah. Don't give you back I what he took, does it? Any money. No, it's like he'd given me an absolute mental breakdown. I had to quit my job. Um, I ended up drinking really, really, really heavily to... To black it all out, really. Um, yeah. That relationship that I was building up that was never going to work anyway, that just wasn't going to happen. So we ended up um, completely separated. Um, and he still lives in my local area, which really annoys me. I remember I, I, oh. I, I voice noted you two over the, the other day. day. I know, I couldn't believe um, it. I'm a florist, so a lady had ordered some flowers and was delivering them to a house. And I know he'd moved because he literally lived the street off my street when this happened and he's moved to another part of our local area. I knew where about, but not exactly. And uh, where I pulled up to deliver these flowers, it was his house and the car was there. And, you know, my lady's house was a few doors down because it was so dark and tree-lined. I I couldn't see the number. You must have been heart racing. I I, I voice noted you too. I was like, oh, my God, you'll never believe this. My heart's pounding. But, yeah, it is. It's... um, it's a bit crappy that because I think you've you've moved to my local area from a foreign country to come and work. You don't really have to stay there. Why you don't you just move somewhere to the next else. town yeah. or, or what, whatever? And I always think it's bloody. It's cheeky. not the first time, is it? You've run into him since. No, no. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, yeah. no. Seven seven days after the assault, um, I'd stopped at our little Tesco to get my next door neighbour a bottle of wine and birthday card. Don't buy wine for gifts now. No, I don't. I (laughs) (laughs) I did then. And as I was um, as I was waiting to pull out of the car park onto the main road, two motorbikes had pulled out of a street further up and were passing me. So I was waiting for them to pass before I pulled out. So as I pulled out, one of them crashed and he was just backflipping like three times on his bike, but not hit anything. So I was like, that's weird. So I put my hazard lights on to stop the traffic so we didn't get one over because he was laying on the floor with his motorbike so a first aid train so I was ready to like jump out and um going off a first aid to to this motorcyclist and then phone an ambulance or whatever but all of a sudden he jumped up and he starts pulling the motorbike off the off the road onto the onto the path so I thought what's he doing he might be really injured and you could see his jeans were all torn and blood was like pouring down his legs and that he lifted the visor up and it was him. It was him that had assaulted me. I bet you just so, had to take everything in your body not to go... Not to run him over. Yeah. I, was got, I was absolutely gobsmacked. Couldn't believe it. But, so I can only assume he 
noticed it was yeah. me yeah. and panicked. Yeah. I've never been on a motorbike, but accelerated too fast, and that's what made him flip. Well, they say what so goes around, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that, that was a bit of that is weird. A bit of karma, um, I guess, that was served to him only a week after he'd done what he'd done. So, Aww. yeah. I, I know that, like, just fast forward into when you kind of stopped drinking, then, I don't I mean, I don't want to cut anything significant out, but you've said if you hadn't been drinking that night, what happened to you probably wouldn't have happened. And not as a not as a victim blaming thing, but no. do you just want to kind of share on that yeah, before we finish? it's just that now I don't drink. Um, it's just really highlighted to me. If someone who has only had a cup of tea or whatever, suddenly becomes unconscious and is severely vomiting and can't stand up and can't walk, you would phone an ambulance for that person. Yeah. It's quite shocking that we assume alcohol just does that to you and that's okay. Yeah. It is, isn't so it? in the situation I was in, I strongly believe that it wouldn't have ever happened to me. Because um, you think... People would have noticed People there was something wrong. People would have noticed wrong. there was something wrong yeah. and been more concerned about that, definitely. Um, and I'm not not taking away, and it doesn't matter whether you're drinking alcohol or not, no one has the right to assault you ever, ever, ever. I remember being really, really cross because um, CID came round a couple of months before the court case and they said his defence want a photograph of what you were wearing on the night. How dare they? So I was like, and he, he kind of, you could see he was cringing saying it to me because he was in the firing line because I was like, <sighs> the cheeky bastard. So I said, it don't matter. I could have been wearing stockings and suspenders. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you didn't ask for it. I didn't it. ask for it. No. I said, but as it happened, you know, I had high waist jeans on and a floaty top that you would have gone to your nan's for Sunday dinner in, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't wearing anything. How awful that you've got to justify that. So I said, you know what? Especially now as well, you know. I said, I haven't got a photo, but you can actually have it because I'm not going to wear it again anyway. They'd already took my bottoms for forensics, so I just gave them the top. Um, But I think it's really, really out of order that they're even allowed to to go down that path. Well, she asked for it. She asked for it. It's wrong because no one ever asked for it. Never. Never ever. That is really bad. Isn't Unless it? you say yes, you, it's assumed you've said no, isn't it? That's yeah. the rules around consent. Yeah. And even and if you've had a drink, you can't consent anyway. That's no. the law. So actually, that couldn't have gone much in his favour anyway. But I don't know when that became law. But they do say, don't they? You cannot consent under the influence yeah. of alcohol. So good for you, anyway. Yeah. Because like, you know, standing up for yourself, going to court. I know it all didn't work out exactly how you would have wanted. No, but, but it's hopefully going to prevent him from doing it again because I strongly believe I wasn't his first for him to be so ballsy and do it where there was like there was about 40 people at this party including his wife including my boyfriend for him to have the balls to do that that's never his first time and he used to be um, a bouncer so how many drunk vulnerable women has he come across in the past and it makes me cringe so at least he can never do that as a job he has got to sign the sex offenders register and hopefully it will protect any any further victims of him anyway. Oh, just think you're so brave, Joe. And I, I know, do. like, people will be blown away by your story. And honestly, knowing you now, this is actually just a tiny part of your story. Yeah. So flipping it. <laughs> we'll, we'll do another podcast for a bit more of Joe's story. But it's, oh. do you know what's been lovely? That even through telling such a tragic 
horrible story. The three of us have managed to have our friendship shine through and have a bit of a laugh have as a laugh. well. Yeah, you've got to. I'm a big um, a big believer in you've you've got to laugh. You can't let it sort of make you sad all the time because then it's it's beat you. And there must have been times, Joe, that you did feel like that. What did you do to kind of pick yourself up and? Well, I got pissed every single time. I felt like that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. No. And it was only... Well, I got pissed. Was, That's what I did. The first, the first anniversary, I'd say. Because aren't we weird? We carry anniversaries round. I know, Remember sad like, days? Why? Yeah. You Why? can't help it, though, can I you? I know, but we do it and we torture ourselves. And um, we had actually booked to be sober hike up Snowden. Yeah. On the anniversary, the first anniversary oh. of it, when I was not drinking. And I think it coincided with that that ex in question getting remarried at the same time. It did, time. yeah, it was the same weekend. So I was like, I really need this high cut <laughs> Snowden. There was only a flaming thunderstorm and it, it had to be called off oh. because the weather the weather was just going to be too dangerous to do it. And I was I banked everything on being with the be sober guys to was going to get your me way through. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we booked a hotel in Carnarvon. So I still went. I went with my daughter and with my youngest son and we just had a weekend away there. So it was lovely because, we, you know, we just, even though the weather was rubbish, we walked around the, the village, which was dead pretty. Yeah. And um, I think getting in the outdoors, just just yeah. getting away when you need to get away and having that bit of me time and family time, it's really important. Yeah. Um. When when I am feeling really negative and really bad and when I normally would have just gone oh sod it let's get a drink I exercise it just does it for me every time I really 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 need it it's yeah. like um you Human know medicine. It, yeah it is it's and with the lockdowns when the gyms have been closed luckily <laughs> my gym has still offered zoom classes and you, so you're able to still work out at home. It's not the same because, like you say, it's nice to to have people around you and do. It it's with helping you. though having the three of us. You know, yeah. it means we've got to get up, we've got to do it because we're all commit, holding each other so accountable. It's so easy to just turn your alarm off and have another half. I an nearly hour. did this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exercise for me is everything, rather than being a workaholic and drinking a lot, which was what I did in the first place. I need to cut down on that workaholic We all do. (laughs) Can I ask you, like, one last thing? Then, in terms of, like, giving up drinking, how has it changed you, like, just physically, mentally, emotionally? How has it changed you? Oh, my God. I am unrecognisable, both physically and mentally, I'd say, Mm. completely. Yeah, we've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, God, when I was at my most miserable just before I gave up drinking, I was, like, over two stone heavier. You know, I was puffy. I just, my eyes were dull, everything. I just felt like crap every single day because I was just drinking so much. It was awful. Now I am, uh, you know, I'm up at half five every morning no matter what I do a workout um, spend lots more time with the kids just happier and and, and a nicer person I reckon all around you're not always grumpy and hungover <laughs> and stuff and it's the people that I've met as well that are true true connections yeah they're not sort of false um, I love all of my friends dearly but those that I just used to get drunk with have sort of filtered out they've dwindled away because they you know they still love going out and getting drunk so we haven't got that in common anymore and then you you soon realize that that was all you really had in common was that you love to have a drink um so yeah all the people i've met with be sober 
are like fab. Oh, we like the fab. Look at me, I like a fab. Should we have a little hug? Yeah, I think we oh. need one. Oh. <laughs> I love you lots, and I know oh. Lisa loves you lots, and I'm so grateful that we met through you and Lisa meeting. It was like, I, st- I don't know, this is a person who doesn't believe in universe or didn't, but it is really like Do the you universe. know? Yeah, we do now. I'm Woo! so glad that you do. <laughs> it do. does work in mysterious ways. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> so, honestly, thanks so much for sharing your story and thank you, being God. brave yeah, and, you know, yeah. finally coming on the podcast. Yeah, there. thank you. It's brilliant, well, isn't I know, it? I've been itching to get on. Oh, no, <laughs> it's my first ever podcast. Yeah, you've done it. I know, and I don't listen to your podcast. <laughs> Just, just because I've got that bit out. Okay, well, I, that. I don't want to be a weird fangirl with you. Yeah. It's like it's nice how it is. So yeah, I've never listened. Maybe I will now. You <laughs> might have to listen to one. But yeah, we don't edit it, so everything you've just said, including the fact that you don't listen to the podcast, is on there. So we still love you, John. We do, we do. Just a bit less. <laughs> so yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And as usual, if you like what we do, give us a review. And share. And if you don't like it, keep it to yourself yep don't tell us all (laughs) (laughs) 